0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and today's episode is extra, extra, extra special to me because Lisa Haim is here, and not only is she truly one of the smartest registered dietitians who is just making such an amazing impact in the world, but she also happens to be a very good friend of mine. I was at her wedding this time last year with Jordan and she is just truly one of the most magical magical things to happen to me from from Instagram I cherish our friendship so 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 much and I know you guys are going to love her as much as I do. In this episode Lisa shares all of her tips when it comes to forking the noise also known as telling those like little annoying voices inside our heads that say eat this and don't eat that, and you know, this will make you fat. Like, no, Lisa's here to tell us how to sh- tell those voices to shut up and let us live our lives happily with food. Lisa has amazing tips for overcoming food fears, getting rid of the scale. We also both openly chat about our own disordered eating journeys, and it was just so nice to have this really great conversation with Lisa about this. And I just, I'm very excited for you guys to hear this. I've opened up like here and there about my own personal disordered eating journey in the past. And as you'll hear on the episode, it's something that evolves truly day by day. And, you know, if you asked me three years ago how I was doing, I would have said, I'm doing awesome. Like thank you so much. And I look back on three years and I'm like, no, I'm even stronger now. And it's just so great to be able to have these open and honest conversations. And Lisa shares her thoughts on approaching the holidays and why not eating all day before a big meal or holiday dinner is probably one of the worst things that you can do for yourself, both mentally and physically. We briefly touch on the chatter around this high fiber diet that is getting a lot of attention on social media right now and so much more. And I just, I really, really, really no, you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. And if you do enjoy this episode as much as I hope and know that you will, I would love, love, love to hear from you. Please feel free to share the episode with any of your friends or anyone you know that might just need that like extra hug right now. Anyone, you know, that might be stressing over food or going through something. And if you do share this episode over on Instagram, please tag Lisa and I. Lisa is over at the well necessities. And if you have a minute, Literally, takes you a minute. I even rate my friends' podcasts and ones that I love when I'm going to the bathroom. Please rate and review the podcast over on iTunes. And if you want to tell me your top three favorite episodes and when you usually listen, I would absolutely love to know the details. It seems like most people tend to listen when they're walking outside or on the treadmill, running, baking something in the kitchen. But I would absolutely love to know when you listen. I appreciate your guys, you guys and your support so, so, so much. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mega Food. Now, I'm like honestly blushing as I'm about to even say this right now. It's kind of embarrassing. Now, I personally have been buying Mega Foods products for over six years now. I first discovered them over at the Whole Foods when I lived around the corner from the Chelsea location. In the city, they had these like hair supplements, which are absolutely amazing. And ever since then, I have been using their products pretty much every single day. Right now, I personally am focusing on my immune health and loading up on as many products as I can to keep me, my baby, and my family healthy. Mega Food offers so many immune supportive vitamins and supplements. And if tablets aren't your thing, they even have gummies. They are so good and powders too. So, there's options for absolutely everyone based off of their preferences. I have been eating the C defense gummies every single day now, and I am obsessed. They have this like tangy orange flavor and they're filled with vitamin C. They use farm fresh oranges, cranberries, blueberries, ginger root, and they just so happen to be vegan and non GMO. I also stocked up on the Daily Immune Support Tablet, which is also great because you take it once a day and it has vitamin C, vitamin D3, and zinc, which you guys know we talked a lot about vitamin D over in Dr. Lippman's episode a few weeks ago, so definitely check that out. All of Mega Foods products are non-GMO, tested for more than 125 herbicides and pesticides, and they are all gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, or vegetarian, and they are soy-free. You guys, this is something that is really rare in a lot of vitamins and supplements, believe it or not. I was going through my vitamin cabinet recently and could not it over how many supplements have soy in it, which is like such a buzzkill. If you want to order anything from MegaFood, you can use the code Rachl R-A-C-H-L, for 15% off your first order. And I link to everything over in the show notes. So head on over to the show notes and megafood.com. Use the code Rachel and stock up on all of your immunity supplements that you need and more. Lisa, I'm so excited to finally bring you on the show. You have been a long time coming. From like myself, I've wanted to bring you on for so long. And when I also recently pulled Instagram, so many people wanted to hear your thoughts and your wisdom because you have so much good insights and just like everything you've been sharing and talking about in the last few years, I think resonates so well with so many people, including myself. And I feel like you are saying and debunking the things that like we all think in our heads and all that noise that you Completely call out, and you're basically telling us, like, get the fuck over it. Like, this is how we're gonna handle this. And I think that this episode's going to be so helpful for everyone. And I know we didn't even start yet, but I already know it. Mm -hmm. So I'd love, actually, I would want you to introduce yourself, but I don't know if people know that we're actually like in real life friends. Yeah,
1: for a long time. Like, we're like probably getting our five year badge soon.
0: I was thinking, I think for five or six years, because it was before I was married. And I've been
1: married for five years. Okay. Wow. Then it was five years. I think it was five years ago I met you on your birthday.
0: We did meet on my birthday. You met my mom and we were with Leah. <laughs> Leah, yeah. And I remember talking to you when I lived on my rooftop in Chelsea, talking to you from like my full-time job at the time, and you were like railing me with questions. <laughs> and
1: okay. Like, that was before you were <laughs> Rachel Mansfield. That was pre like your career taking off. You were working for a brand. And <laughs> <from home>. yeah. <laughs> what people don't know about me is that I ask a lot of questions and it's not out of nosiness, it's out of a deep desire to really understand something or some product very quickly. And it comes off as aggressive interviewing, but that's not how <laughs> <what> I mean it.
0: <laughs> I remember hanging up the phone being like, Who is this Yenta? Like <laughs> why is she me? And then you kept like you really just were always impressed me with your friendliness. You called when you like couldn't make it to something anymore. And I was like, this girl is a gem. Like she like, she knows what she is doing. So. And I was even at your wedding, which I wish we were there again. I can't believe it was already a year ago. That was like the last hurrah.
1: I'm so glad you were there. The, I love seeing you in the background. I have my favorite video from like dancing down the, the aisle and you and Jordan are in the background. And every time I posted people are like, Oh my God, it's Rachel.
0: No, I was yeah. like, I cried half of your wedding ceremony. I was like, can I curse? I was like, bitch got a great seat at the wedding. She's right on the She's in that room before anyone else getting a seat. Like I was in there where it was just me and one of Evan's brothers and Allie, like you we were just there. And like I take my seat and I was like, not messing around. I was like, I want this seat on the aisle in the middle. So
1: I bitch. love it. And I'm so, it's so awesome to see you go from not married to married to Rachel Mansfield, who I know in person to Rachel Mansfield, who is the um, well, you all know, so
0: the walking shit show who now waddles everywhere. I'm also I'm in Jordan's oversized t-shirt. I'm not wearing a bra, and I'm I'm going to the closet, so we're good. I'm usually in the closet. People know I'm usually recording in the closet. (laughs) Now I told Ezra and his nanny they can't come home for an hour and a half, and so hopefully I'll have some some quiet time. But. I would love for you to take a moment to introduce yourself, tell everyone about what you do and how you're like one of the smartest people that I know, especially (laughs) you and Evan combined.
1: (laughs) Um, Definitely not, but um, I'm a registered dietitian and a wellness blogger. My blog has been the wellness Necessities for the past five or so years. And my shift or my focus is really on helping people learn to listen, honor, and trust their bodies. And what's really cool about this work is that while it might start with food, it actually bleeds into the rest of your life and helps people live their authentic lives. And that's kind of what I'm about. Kind of like how I grilled you with a lot of questions. I really like to understand the deep, dark parts of people that they cover up because they're scared to show.
0: And I think a lot of us are hiding those like feelings and like those stories that like we are, I shouldn't even say sort like our own journey when it comes to food. I think it's something that really resonates with everyone and, excuse me, especially your story particularly, which I would love for you to share more about because it definitely like really like hits home, home for me as well. So I'd love for you to share like your yeah. personal journey with like disordered eating.
1: For sure. So, um, and just because this is a podcast and I'm sure there are people that don't know me, I am a thin body by every means. And I've always lived in a thin body by all means. And it's a part of my story that I like to kind of lead with because it it's not how a lot of people end up with disordered eating. A lot of people end up with disordered eating because they have been told to lose weight by doctors or by their families or just society in general, has kind of made them feel like their shape and size doesn't fit. Whereas the body that I've always had has always gotten the applaud from people, you know, even before I was even in health and wellness, it was always, what do you do to stay thin? What do you what's your secret? Oh, my God, you know, people have been commenting on my body since as early as eight years old, Um, simply just for being thin, like nothing else besides for that. And so as I started going into high school, college, really college, things started to really shift for me. What was once an effortless relationship to food became a form of control for me. And I had an intense desire to basically hold on to my thinness and I everything that I had learned was always about, you know, food controls. And it was always under the guise of healthy eating. So never was I totally restricting my calories or purging or fitting in an eating disorder categories, but rather I was addicted to healthy eating. I'm putting quotes in the air. Um, And that kind of changed its form over the years as to what my food rules were. But the theme stayed the same unconsciously. This is only something I really came to understand much later, which is that my food controls allowed me to stay in control of my weight and my fear of weight gain. So it was always this fear of weight gain and my body changing because so much of my worth was built into this small body that everybody was clapping about. Yet at the same time, it seemed like gaining weight and losing that would be so easy because that was all the world talked about. And so that's kind of just took me down a very long route of, First of all, going down the world of the, going down the path of studying nutrition and that only uh, in some ways kind of made it worse because if you've ever gone to kind of learn about food in general, at least 10 years ago when I was on the pursuit of, you know, nutrition, it always came back to weight loss. You know, I, I give the example of like, okay, I actually was genuinely interested in nutrition and the science of food and the nutrients and the minerals and all that stuff. But every time I opened a magazine to learn about blueberries, you know, it would tell me that blueberries are low in sugar and are great for not bloating or whatever, you know? So it was like every food that offers such, I now know offers nutrition and abundance and can make my life and my body feel really good was always tainted with a weight aspect to it. And everything started to kind of blur together between, health and wellness. And while I was never diagnosed, looking back, I, it was, I had orthorexic tendencies. And I'm not sure if you've talked about this on your podcast before, Rachel. No, not yet. Oh, really? Okay. So orthorexia is an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating, and it can take different forms for some people. It's green juice or raw or only organic. For me, it was just whatever the latest like health trend was. And it was so well disguised as me valuing my health that even I wasn't aware that this could be problematic. I think that's
0: something like, so that it was probably around college, I'm says, what, eight, nine years ago, or 10 years ago at this point, and that that label of orthorexia didn't exist. Oh, so, yeah, it
1: was actually even, mm-hmm. yeah, I graduated college in 2010. So that was 10 years ago. And this yeah. was going on, you know, 2006 to 2010 was college. And I was in psych I was a communications and psych major and I very well knew what anorexia looked like I very well knew what bulimia looked like and in the absence of those diagnoses which I knew I didn't have I was always eating I was always eating all of my food actually believe it or not because I had such confines around what I could eat and when I could eat and how much I could eat in the absence of not having those I thought I was fine and so that gray area didn't um it wasn't well known I actually went to see a therapist once because, I, well, I've been in therapy my whole life. That's kind of a whole separate thing. But specifically when I was in college, I, I went to go find somebody new because I could not stop thinking about food. Like at, while having breakfast, I was thinking about lunch. While having lunch, I was, I was thinking about dinner. I couldn't sleep at night because I was planning breakfast. And mm-hmm. I was like losing my mind. And I was like, this can't be right. And she totally missed the diagnosis and just chalked it up to anxiety. And that also kind of fit right because I was so anxious, but she obviously wasn't well versed in it or didn't know what orthorexia was. But I mean, it had all the telltale signs of a disordered eating. But, you know, 15 years ago, that term wasn't well known by health professionals. And even to this day, it might not even be that well known to all health professionals. No. And I also
0: think anxiety stems from something like orthorexia where you get so anxious and nervous where it controls those thoughts over food control your mind each and every day. I mean, I can relate so well to like planning out every single meal, every single snack. And then at at night before I'd go to bed in my head, this is like when I was in college, I would lay there and then count the calories of every single thing that I'd eaten that day. And I'd be like, oh, okay. So if I went under, if I was at this number today, like I could probably do a little bit less tomorrow. And then next thing you knew, I was like 95 pounds, which for my five, six something I'm, like frame is very 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 small. Like I probably weighed that in fourth grade, mm-hmm. and when I was like trying to figure out like what the hell was going on, you know, orthorexia, like we were just saying, wasn't a term. So it was like, okay, so you're anorexic, but I never like resonated with that. Like I know like what that is. But, like I like you just said, like I always finished the food on my plate. I always ate. I was just so fixated on like what. Mind you, I was living in Florence. What I was eating like what snacks I was bringing when I was traveling, like how many almonds were in my Ziploc baggie, like what were the calories in my chewy granola bar? Like if I ate this many calories, then I can go to dinner and eat whatever I want. And that was like literally a mental sickness. And then it was like an addiction though, because I was addicted to like the the competition with myself, like challenging myself, like, well, if I could stay within this Calorie count today. I could probably do that again tomorrow, even though, like, I was probably seeing stars walking to dinner and just like was in such a daze, didn't even realize.
1: Right. And we ignore all of our own, what I call inner wisdom, because all we're so reliant on the outer wisdom or the external noise of what we should be doing. I totally relate to that.
0: Now, for you though, was it easy? Like, my frame when I started to lose weight, I was about like 140 to 145 pounds because I was on the opposite end of the spectrum where I was binge eating my like second half of freshman year to beginning of sophomore year because I was like pledging and you know, college, we like chicken finger melts, which is a grilled cheese sandwich with chicken fingers in the middle, which is delicious, but you don't need to eat it seven days a week at midnight. And I put on a lot of weight. So for me, when I went from you know, that 140, then all the way to like 90 something pounds. That was a substantial like weight loss for other people to view. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot more obvious where people were like chatting and you know gossiping about it and like calling my mom, like saying something to Jordan, saying something to my friends. And for you, was it easier for you to like hide within yourself since like you've always had like a thinner frame?
1: Yeah, I, I mean it went unnoticed by everyone around me, including myself, and that was kind of the the problem indeed and like i said it, the the disordered eating changed its form many times over the course of 7 years i'd say you know mm-hmm. and one of the ways that it transformed a little bit later was actually with fitness so i became not to the level of like bodybuilding competitions but looking fit was like a big part of my m um, o and people continued to applaud that, so there was oh, there was never worry or concern from anyone around me, including myself and I truly didn't believe that I had a problem because keep in mind at this point after college now i'm studying to be a nutritionist. I have to look this way, I have to do this, and it's just because I have all this information, and this is what I'm passionate about that it was my full-on identity and I, it became my identity. I think it becomes the, an identity of a lot of people, especially post-college or in college, when a lot of our previous identities maybe don't fit. Like for a lot of people, they play a sport in high school. So that's who they are, you know, and it's this weird time. And then all of a sudden you have this to latch on to and people want to talk to you about it or maybe they want to gossip about you, you know, but still it's a form of attention in some way. Um, so that's kind of how I I ended up there. <laughs>
0: When did you like? What was your turning point? Like, when did you know like this isn't right? Like, so I have to like kind of I don't snap out of this or like do something to help myself. Like, how I'm living isn't sustainable. Like,
1: when did you have that like turning point? Um, there was never like one day where I woke up and I was like, this can't be, it was rather my life continued to become more fulfilled by experiences. And it was kind of a give and take of what do I want to be? What do I want to show up as the girl who, you know, brought her own food to this restaurant? Or do I want to show up as my true self? And the first thing I really started to do, I will say though, is to recognize the foods that were that I was afraid of my fear foods, essentially, and reintroduce them into my life. So French fries for me was my favorite food, yet it was also my forbidden food. And so every Saturday night after, you know, going out in New York City, I'd go to one of those 24 hour restaurants and allow myself to have, of course, like a huge bowl of fries and all the fries, I would eat them. And then, you know, I'd go start on Sunday or Monday, my plan again, and this whole thing would just repeat and repeat and repeat with the guilt and the sabotage and the starting over and the planning and the, the, you know, it was this whole, this whole situation. So French fries was the first food that I was like, you know what, I'm going to just eat fries. And one of the ways that I um, encourage other people to start this process is to identify your food fears and then have them with a safe food. So allow the foods to be normal in your life by Having the safe, you're, I always give the example of like the salad is your safe food. You have it every day for lunch. Great. How about when you go for lunch, you get the salad and you get the fries. Therefore, you're allowing yourself to eat the fries without them being on this whole pedestal of you're only allowed to eat the fries on, you know, a weekend or or at 2 a.m. or whatever your your thing is. And you start to break it down and you realize, oh, my gosh, I could have the French fries and I can have the salad. But I do remember one weekend that really shifted how I work with clients, I will say, and students was um, I was already dating Evan. So this is about, it'll be probably the beginning of Evan. So six years ago. And um, I remember we had a really fun weekend where I just like, you know, ate whatever I wanted and it was not planned. There were fries and drinks and, you know, whatever else we ate. And Monday came around And I noticed that I was really in the mood, like almost a craving actually for a salad. And I was like, this is interesting because normally I'd start a Monday with all the rules in place about how I won't have sugar or bread or this or that until, you know, Friday, like that would just make up these random rules to kind of buy me the next day. And I was like, so my body wants a salad. Like my body's communicating with me that it wants like leafy greens and cucumbers and tomatoes. And I was like, this is really interesting because this whole time I thought I needed the rules to eat a salad, but really the body communicates what it wants, whether that be fries, something salty, something a little bit more, um, warming or a salad. And that day or that week really changed my life because once you get a direct cue from your body and you really understand what it's saying and it happens to be also saying, hey, I got you, you know, like you need nutrients. I'm communicating with you. Everything else kind of shifts and you realize that all the outside stuff isn't as necessary. Do you almost
0: feel like the weekend that you had said, the can have the example, of the weekend that you had just mentioned, like, and I also like how you said to order like a safe food and then like a fear of food of sorts at a restaurant because I've had this not like I would say it's funny because I was thinking about this this morning in terms of like everything I want to talk about with you today. And it's three. If you asked me like four years ago, how's your relationship with food? I would have been like, it's great, like better than ever. And like today, if you ask me how my relationship is with food, I would tell you I was fucked up four years ago compared to how I was today. And It's like something that's always evolving. And like, I think also just being pregnant now twice and all these different things, like it's just your body changes and you just realize like food isn't everything. But also the restaurant thing, this is actually important because you made me realize this when you just said that I used to have this like fixation where every time I'd go to a restaurant, if it was like the same restaurant, I had to get the same exact order that I got the last time because my weight stayed the same. So it didn't matter. So it was like, perfect. So if I go to this restaurant, like whatever it is, like your family's favorite restaurant on a Friday, I had to get the same thing every single time. Mm -hmm. And like wouldn't branch out of that like zone. It was almost like the comfort food and like wouldn't order anything else, like off on the menu.
1: And I meant to say this when you were talking about when you were in Florence and you, were, you, know, you had your calorie counting and all of that, yeah. the controls that we built in, that we build around food, we have because they make us feel safe in theory, or we think that they make us feel safe, but they really are captivity. So the controls end up being our captivity and we don't realize that. And we're so afraid to step away from these things that are supposed to be keeping us safe, but really they're keeping us captive. And I think it's just an important thing to recognize because for anybody who's listening that can relate to, you know, you in Florence or you at that restaurant is to recognize that like the discomfort associated with leaving, with making a different choice other than what you know to be X amount of calories or a safe dinner because it didn't make you gain weight is going to be so small compared to the growth and freedom you're going to feel from stepping outside of stepping out of bounds, if you will.
0: Well, I feel like all you need is like to almost prove to yourself like I can eat out of the realm of my like habits and like I'll still be here and I'll still be standing. I mean, especially with this second pregnancy, like I think I mentioned to you, like I didn't feel well the first trimester with Ezra. I felt totally fine. Like I was eating like salads and like avocado toast with eggs, like protein, like I was eating like very like status quo, like compared and like again, I, my relationship with food for the last few years, like definitely has been strong, but it's gotten stronger each and every day. And with this pregnancy in the beginning, I was eating like waffles with peanut butter for breakfast, like a banana and peanut butter sandwich or a bagel for lunch, like pizza or a lobster roll for, like I was not eating what I would say like a very nutritious diet. And like, it almost just by going through that for a few months, like proved to me, I'm still here. Like nothing happened to my body. Like, and all I'm, the foods
1: that you just mentioned, though, keep in mind, like, it is actually a, a diverse diet. To me, a healthy diet is diverse. It involves different food groups and macronutrients and micronutrients. And, you know, I think you, you said avocado toast and, you know, a lobster. What do you say?
0: Like, it was like, it was basically like the diet, I would say, like a 10-year-old um, or like, like, you know, a child, like a lot right. of like, carbs, fat, just not a lot of protein. I just don't crave a lot of protein when I'm pregnant. A lot of down jerky and like meat sticks. That's just easy. And it tastes like a slim gym to me um, when it comes to protein. But my point is with that, like, it just, it made me branch out of my comfort zones even more. And it like, made me realize like, it's okay if I don't need a salad every day. And I think there's so many things like, especially on Instagram, that's like, eat a salad every day, like eat vegetables at every meal. Like I don't like vegetables in the morning. Like I cannot eat them. I don't like smoothies. It just doesn't happen for me. I can't blend things together. Like I'm not eating vegetables all day, but like, that's okay. And like, that's what works for me. But I feel like there's just so many things being preached online that sometimes I get, I get overwhelmed where I'm like, Oh my God, am I not eating well? Like, should I be eating like this person? Like what's wrong with how I'm eating?
1: Right. right. That's what we call the noise. We identify that as the noise. Anytime that listening to information or having it thrown at you or overhearing a conversation or being with your parents, anytime that you're questioning what you're, doing eating um and you're losing that sense of trust or you're drowning a little bit we call that the noise and it's super important to recognize how it makes you feel like what literally think about what it makes you feel when you're seeing somebody yeah. else eat a certain way and all of a sudden you're questioning yourself like there's a feeling in the body what, of of being nervous or anxious or unknown or not trusting yourself and i really encourage you me and everyone listening to tap into what that feeling is Because sometimes it's a better clue of what of the noise infiltrating your life than your mind, because the mind can get very consumed with, oh my god, this person's doing this. Should I do this? But the body knows. The body is having a reaction to you fighting its own wisdom, which is, I think, a beautiful display of you in pregnancy. Um, And I always kind of like to always throw it in there that, like, what works for you now today might not work for you tomorrow. Maybe not. I don't mean that as literally, but the life cycle of being a woman or even a male, but I'll use a woman for the example of this, you know, going from early twenties to late twenties to early thirties, to late thirties, to early forties, to late forties, et cetera. Those are huge changes, like especially being pregnant. Now let's throw in you're pregnant, post-pregnant, like those are huge fluctuations. And so your, what your body wants and needs is going to vary. And that's totally okay. And that's the beautiful part about trusting your body because you trust that the cues it's sending are on point for what you can handle right now, whether that be, you know, pizza and then lobster rolls or whatever, like that's what your body literally needs to digest right now. Easy to digest, you know, not leafy greens or protein. It sounds like, you know, and that's a beautiful cue and you trust that whether it be tomorrow or in a few months, it will also, you know, ask for some protein or whatever. Well,
0: I after I hit 13 weeks or so, I actually, like you were saying, like you craved a salad after a weekend. Like I actually craved like a really crunchy, like chopped salad with like lemon and like, like just like vegetables and some other, like, I just wanted that so bad. And I finally was like, Oh wow. My body's actually like starting to speak to me in the way where it's like, I know I'm, you know, you don't, I don't feel good eating carbs all day. Like I was very tired already. Like, I feel like it just slugged me even more. And I like to have a diverse amount of like food on my plate if I can, without putting like pressure on myself to do so. But to, to be able to like actually want a salad at dinner, I was like, wow, this is so nice again. Like I wanted grilled vegetables and like I had a burger this weekend. Like it was just nice to like kind of be back, I guess, within like the normalcy of what not even like back on like a, like a habitual type thing, but just like in a, in a way where I just feel like I wasn't eating like a five or six year old anymore. Like what I was eating, I was literally eating like Ezra's toaster waffles and like bagels mm-hmm. and things that I would like that for him. Now, how do you approach the noise when it comes from like other people in terms of like commenting on someone else's body? Like right. for example, like people always have something to say about someone else's physical appearance, whether it's their body, their face, their hair, like whatever it is. And with this pregnancy, and I don't want this to be like a pregnancy nutrition. This is just like very top of mind right now. But as soon as they started to like pop, people were like, "Your hips are so much wider than with Ezra," and like, "Wow, like you just look a little bit bigger this time." And I'm just like, "Really? Like?" How? Like I'm carrying a baby, (laughs) even in general. Like how does like if someone who's not pregnant, like say they just put on weight and like it is what it is or say they lost weight or say like how do you tell how do you like tune out the noise around you when they're talking about your body?
1: I think it's incredibly hard, especially when it's triggering and you've had a history of body image related things, which most people have. And so I think the first thing to do is recognize, again, how it makes you feel, maybe angry, maybe frustrated, maybe nervous, maybe, you know, triggered to go back to old ways and first soothe yourself. So kind of like put your oxygen mask on yourself, you know, and then the rest of the world. Take a moment to collect yourself when somebody kind of, you know, accidentally goes for the jugular and really talk. Take a moment to literally collect yourself and talk yourself down from this. Okay. Okay. I know that this person didn't mean it. You know, I'm doing what I'm going to continue to do. What's best for my body, and trust that it supports me. And I think that like inner self talk is really important. And to kind of like nourish that the same way you'd nourish with food is to nourish yourself with positive self talk. Sometimes it can feel a little bit forced, but that's okay. And then the second thing, um, it depends on who the person is uh, and your level of comfort of asking them to either not comment on your body. If it's, you know, Rachel, I know you're very close with your mom, that you would be comfortable being like, mom, it makes me feel uncomfortable and really throws off my ability to take care of this baby when you're commenting on these body changes that feel really big for me, you know, something like that. But oftentimes that's not the case. And this is more just sometimes like strangers or not so close friends or whatever. And so I think it can be helpful to just shift the conversation. And at the same time, you're leading by example, you know, even asking a question about them or sharing, or even saying something positive about them. That's not related to their body size. Like you look radiant is an example that we give a lot on this podcast I had called outweigh with Amy Brown. Like that's a beautiful compliment to tell somebody that they're radiant or they're radiant, that they're glowing. You know, that just kind of makes more sense. And I would even, as I I said earlier, I think that people have a fear of getting intimate with each other. I don't mean sexually. I mean, really like somebody saying to you, how is this pregnancy going for you emotionally? You know, nobody really stops to be like, but how are you? You know, but right. Nobody says that, but oh my God, your belly's so big. It's so small. I can't believe you're three months. Can't believe you're six months. You barely gained weight. You gained weight. You know, like whatever it is, we're very... It's been normalized to comment on people's bodies and it serves as a as an easy way to communicate with other people but we think not go so deep. But how much better would it be if we asked people how they are and meant it. You know, and so an opportunity for you is to throw that around but how how is everything at work? I know you mentioned this was going on, you know, and I think that leading by example is a beautiful way to, you know, people get the hint you know they'll feed off of your uncomfortable energy of being commented on and look you didn't get defensive you didn't shut down you didn't yell at them but rather you shifted into meaningful conversation about them <laughs> um so that's one of the things that i personally like to do when i'm in situations like that is just lead by first you know protect myself let myself know that you know i'm all good this comment was not meant to hurt me but rather out of a place of not really thinking very very um deeply and allow them the opportunity or give them the opportunity to tell me something more meaningful that's going on in their life.
0: I know, I know I'm interrupting in the middle of my conversation with Lisa, but I can't not tell you guys about one of the most delicious chocolatey snacks I absolutely love from my family over at Jojo's. Jojo's makes these like dreamy chocolate bars and they are so addicting, especially like the peanut butter delight ones, which are Obviously, my personal favorite, anything with peanut butter and chocolate is a win-win in my book. All of their chocolates are also gluten-free, non-GMO, soy-free, lower in sugar, vegan, and they have two flavors, the Hawaiian and Raspberry Dream flavors, which are both keto with less than one gram of sugar, which is really cool for a chocolatey dessert bar. The JoJo's family is offering just you guys, my amazing listeners, a free bites bag of your choice. When you buy two of the peanut butter bags, see, you have to get the peanut butter bags now. With my link, it's over in the show notes. There's no code needed here. You only have to use my link. No code needed. And if you live for anything chocolate and peanut butter, you 1000% need to try these. Now, let's get back to today's episode. Now, what has your relationship been like with like a scale in the past? Like were you obsessed with weighing yourself
1: like If so, how did you nix that? Yes, definitely went through a very big scale obsession to the point where a decimal point change could throw me off. And it was definitely how I marked my success and how I marked my failures. And most importantly, it decided what I would eat or not eat or how much I would exercise that day. And it really, really, really looking back, took away from what healthy living now is for me. Healthy living now is honoring my body and its needs, moving it because it feels good, feeding it a salad because it works well and and makes me feel really, you know, vibrant and energized. Um, You know, prioritizing stress management is probably above all and my mental health is probably the first kind of tier of health and wellness that I focus on. But when the scale was there, you know, that could totally just derail me because any decimal point change. And I felt the cortisol in my body, the stress hormone fly up. What does this mean? Is it going to keep going up? And therefore it's my duty to make sure that it doesn't keep going up because I need to retain this. Meanwhile, flash forward to what I know now about the body is that normal weight fluctuations are anywhere from five to 10 pounds in a few days yeah, so people really freak out at the end of a weekend, right And they'll be like, "Well, look what happened because I ate, blah, blah blah. It's like, no, that's a normal weight fluctuation. The body goes up and down depending on hormones, depending on what you ate. are you retaining water? are you not? And so recognizing that you know everybody kind of has a different normal fluctuation, but recognizing that it can fluctuate and not clinging back to the rules of safety is so key so that you can actually foster health and well-being that honors you rather than go back to the rules which make you feel safe. And similar to how I like, how I didn't just like wake up one day, like I never like put my scale in the garbage, but something shifted where it didn't matter anymore what the scale had to say and I don't have one in my house and you know Evan who's never had a disordered eating relate anything disordered with food also is just like why do we need a scale in the house? So we don't have a scale still to this day. That being said, I do go to the doctors and there is opportunity to see my weight a few times a year. And where I'm at right now, personally, I can handle that. So if somebody is listening and that just feels like that's very triggering to them, I just want to let you know that you can ask to be weighed backwards. So to not know your weight, that is within your right.
0: I never thought about that. Sorry. I said, it like, but I didn't know you could be weighed backwards. I mean, I get weighed every time I go to the doctor, which is like every two to three weeks.
1: Yeah. So it's within your right to either be weighed backwards or to just literally say, um, I would not like to know my weight, which can be really helpful if you're currently in the throes. Where I am with it now, like, it's super interesting to to step on the scale and learn where I'm at and to recognize that if I'm above where I think I am normally, like, okay, cool, you know, and move on with my life. So while I am anti-using the scale on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, It's certainly a health metric, but it's not my only health metric. Like I know what my baseline is. I know within the range that it goes up and down, but it's not, I'm not defined by it in any way. And most importantly, it doesn't dictate the rest of my health behaviors as it used to. And so in the name of health, right? Like I would go back to the rules and and removing things from my diet, but really that's the anti-health because it's stressing me out. I'm not listening to my body and it only ends up with binges when I'm done with, you know, the rules eventually, whether that be at night or the weekend or vacation. A hundred percent. And so it's so interesting to shift into this new way of living where weekends, weekdays, nights, mornings, vacations, um, holidays, whatever, it all looks the same. Like I'm never... Oh my God, I'm going to be in a bathing suit or whatever. Like, and the funny thing about it, Rachel, I don't know if you, if this is kind of a hard concept for me to explain, but it's like, I, when I say I love my body, it's not like I look in the mirror every morning and I'm like, yeah, you sexy beast. You, you know, (laughs) it's not like, it's not like, okay, I love you. You're so sexy and hot and like beautiful. It's just like, I honor you. I appreciate you. But at the same time, I'm not like obsessed with how you look. And like, so if I'm going to be in a bathing suit for the week next week, and like, I don't really care if I'm a little bit bloated or a few pounds higher than whatever. Like anybody that is looking at me and has an issue with the, my body, like get on out of here, you know, like anybody that has time to waste, talking about my body, which isn't the case to my knowledge, at least, but like, they're not worth my time or my energy. And that's their problem, not mine. So there is no difference on, on what any of these days are. And even Thanksgiving, you know, where the meal is, you're supposed to get so stuffed where you can't breathe. I don't end those meals stuffed to the point where I can't breathe anymore because I always allow myself to eat. So I'm not as like excited by the opportunity to overeat. I also feel especially at holidays, you know, I used
0: to like not I, first of all I don't really love Thanksgiving food. I know that I'm like Me neither. Me neither. no, I'm with you. I'd rather go for pizza. But like, you know, I, before like there's a lot of holidays like I really do love like I love Rosh Hashanah food. I love Yom Kippur. I like oh, a good like, do. <laughs> I love Hanukkah. Like I love I, <laughs> I also love Christmas Eve though, but like I just I used well, I guess before Yom Kippur, you're supposed to not eat, but I didn't know that growing up. So like I didn't grow up fasting because my right. mom grew up Orthodox. So when she, when she was raising us with my dad, they like never mandated that. So when I started dating Jordan who would like fast all day. And like, that was when I was like, like really in the thick of like disordered, like thinking with food and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like what a great excuse to like not eat all day. And then I did that one year and I will, I can't do it again. Like I just say exempt
1: because I. I'm so happy you said that because for me, and I know lots of Jewish women in New York, Yom Kippur is not done for the quote unquote Right reasons. Oh, no. right. And it's interesting. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but it, maybe it'll be around the time of Yom Kippur. Maybe after. actually, you know what? It's coming out the week of Yom Kippur. I'm okay, Wait, that's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. Well, if it's not, whatever. But you um, know, I, so many women, the, the point of Yom Kippur, if you don't know, is to repent for your sins. So you don't eat for 24 hours to symbolize pain and discomfort for any of your sins for the year. That's the idea, but nobody that I know, at least, does it for the right reasons, including myself. Where I would try to fast under the guise of you know doing Yom Kippur a hundred percent. It was only because it was a way to not eat and normalize it. And I too no longer fast. And if there is a point in my life where I feel that I'm doing it for the right reasons, then maybe I would do that in the future. But I also see myself as exempt due to disordered eating habits and abuse, in my opinion, of using the holiday for that reason. And I kind of just want to open it up. There's plenty of um, religions that have fasting involved. And to really critically think about, are you doing it for the right reasons? Or is it an excuse to not eat or not eat a certain group, you know, food group in general?
0: Like I know like Jordan, for example, like he fasts and he does it for the right reasons. Like he's like, I'm repenting. Yeah, like, oh, he has like the best relationship with food like ever. So like, I know like he's definitely not someone who's like, oh, I'm doing this so I could eat six bagels later. Like, no, he's still, he oh, he's the same amount there at dinner as he would if he ate all day. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, like I'd rather be able to like have a day where it's like, I get to go for a walk. I have a nice breakfast. Like I get to like do something and then like go to yum for dinner. And I'd rather do that. Like on the Holidays or really any occasion, I mean, just holidays. Like um, whether it was like a big family dinner or like a dinner with friends or whatever it is, if I didn't eat all day and then go to the dinner, I would eat so much food and then I would feel sick, like because yeah. I was so hungry that like the second they brought the bread, the bread basket, like the fried calamari, like whatever it is, I was downing it, and then I would just feel so gross. Now when I eat all day, even if I have a dinner, and I actually want to get into this with you next, like even if I have a dinner which is like eight o'clock, which is very late for me. I'm having a snack at like 6, 6.30 because like if I go in there and my blood sugar starts to drop around like the usual dinner time for me, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to feel sick the whole dinner. Like I need to eat like a handful of nuts or like whatever it is, like a couple spoonfuls of peanut butter, like something that's like going to hold me over a little bit. Now, for those of you who don't know Lisa, she is married to an amazing cardiologist named Evan who is so near and dear to my heart. I love Evan so much. And Evan has... (laughs) The craziest eating habit ever. Um, and he is a vegan with a B and he eats like late at night. Cause he has crazy hours and you wait for him to have dinner, which is like the nicest significant other gesture you could do. Like when Jordan would get home from work at 10 o'clock, nine o'clock, I was like, I ate at six 30. Goodbye. Now, how has like, actually before we even dive into this, your relationship with Evan, you said you started dating around six years ago. Mm -hmm. How has dating him helped Mm -hmm. like your relationship with food? Like how has it like helped you evolve as a
1: person? It's a great question. And, um, okay, we'll start with that question. So it's a great question because Evan is vegan, but Evan has the healthiest relationship to food, similar to Jordan, it sounds. And, Keep in mind, I had been vegan for two years of my life in college for the wrong reasons. So just to kind of specify here, any food rules or way that you eat or lifestyle, it can be done with a healthy mindset or a not healthy mindset. And for me, I abused veganism at the time as a way to just not eat a bunch of foods and feel safe about what I was eating. Unaware at the time as why I was doing that, thought it was you know all because of health. But Evan, what's really interesting about Evan is that he is vegan, but he's like a foodie. And his favorite thing to do is go to like 20 course tasting meals in like fancy restaurants. <laughs> and it's literally like I hate them so much. <laughs> it's the most frustrating experience for me. No, so once I get there, I'm fine, but I really resist because I don't really just- like here. <laughs> like they give you the tiniest of each, it's like 20 things, but like, it's these little bites. And then like, I want more of the thing that I like, like, you know, whatever, but Evan, he really like loves that experience of trying new things and whatever. And so in our first week alone, we went out to dinner four times the week that I met him going out to dinner. And before this, I was living alone in New York city. Um, and I was cooking all of my meals alone, you know, and I was very comfortable just eating at home, eating my healthy way and, you know, kale and really just all prepared by me. So I knew exactly what was really going into everything. And I would say my relationship to food at that point was pretty good, but it was, I was still very in control because of my lifestyle. And so all of a sudden going out to restaurants four times a week, that was like exciting kind of, and I was ready for it as to where I'm at. But I started to really give up a lot of control that I didn't know that I had by going to these tasting meals and not, you know, asking what ingredients were used or substitutions, and really enjoying the experience. So I'd say Evan and dining out for me and really exploring all that New York City had to offer for the, you know, three or four years that we lived there was huge for me and my relationship to food. Moving into your second question of waiting for Evan for dinner. So yeah, I've been with Evan since he was a cardiology fellow year one. It was three years of that, another fellowship, and then another fellowship. So I've been with him through different parts of his training. And regardless, it's always, I never know when he's getting home at night. So it could be on a good day. Well, now he just started a new job. So I don't really know what normal is. But in the past, a good day could be seven to 11. And I try my best to wait for him. And I'll share why in just a moment. But I just want to disclose that like if I have kids one day, or like, I don't know if I could keep this act up, but I've done a good job, at least for the last six years. No, I will continue to prioritize us for the most part. But obviously, I'm not perfect at it. It gets kind of hard when I have to wake up early the next day or whatever it is. So our life my lifestyle um, kind of works around him at night because that's our one time to catch up with each other. Evan left this morning at 4:30 in the morning and he won't be home till probably 8, 9, 10 tonight. So even though meals are only 15, 20 minutes, it's our one time to catch up and if we don't have that time and we continue to not have that time together, we are not we don't have that connection and I value that. So I want to start with that. I really value my relationship probably more than anything else. It's very high on my priorities list. And if I didn't take the time to really get clear on what I prioritize, I'd be making the mistake of eating before because that's more convenient and then just sitting with him. But there's something really special about sharing a meal together and to your point, not going into that meal so hungry because if I allow myself to get go into that meal too hungry, I'm not even getting the connection with Evan that I'm after. I'm just hustling for food, like trying to hustling, fighting for food, trying to get it down my throat. And then all of a sudden I'm so painfully full that all I can do is like, Oh, I'm so full, you know? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it has been, um, a balancing act of learning, you know, when to eat, what to eat, all of that. And part of what makes like my, my approach to mindful eating different than I feel like a lot of how it's presented on the internet is that we're really taking time to understand how foods make us feel and we're not throwing out the like outer, outer wisdom, nutrition information about food, caloric awareness even. I use that to my advantage rather than trying to minimize eat, and eat as little as possible but rather, okay, Evan's probably going to be home in about two hours or an hour and a half. And I'm really hungry. What should I have right now? You know, and like you said, a handful of nuts last night, I had a handful of nuts and dried cherries. I put that cherries and pistachios. I saw (laughs) so good and perfect because I know that cherries are going to give me immediate energy, which I needed. I was getting on a work call and the fat and the pistachios are going to give it some staying power. And it was perfect. By the time Evan got home, I was ready to eat again. And so putting together that inner wisdom and outer wisdom is what I call it, the outer wisdom, the knowledge of food, nutrition, caloric awareness with the inner wisdom, what do I need right now is how you kind of decide what to eat and when to eat without thinking so much about it
0: impressive how your like spreads you make for him though just like on a like a light note too like you like don't just like if jordan came home at 10 o'clock like okay here is the toasted like paleo bagel like here's some scrambled eggs and avocado like you whip out like some good stuff for him like his pastas you usually have like a little veggie
1: side maybe a pizza like you have yeah, gotten a little like lazy girl kitchen on him because of like the pandemic actually like i don't have all the food i don't go to the grocery store so much so i'm less like inspired in there but I love Daily Harvest, like the bowls. Like he's always down for pasta, which makes my life super easy. Because like okay. if he wanted more than that, I, I probably wouldn't be making him dinner. But that, and then I throw together like a Daily Harvest veggie bowl that tastes freaking delicious, and we've got a meal on the table.
0: <laughs> no, I love. It. I just remember when you used to rep- like put your stories every yeah. night, like eight different, like me- like bowls. Because he also I comes hungry. He's been on his feet all day, especially. After I'm watching Grey's Anatomy now, I started season one in March. Mm-hmm. Now I'm season fifteen, I feel like I
1: know Evan. Yeah, a a little little bit better.
0: Better. Oh, you probably
1: know his day in his day in and out a little bit better than than I do. Watch Grey's uh, Anatomy, you'll totally get. There's a cardiologist. Really mm-hmm. interesting. It's probably very inaccurate, but I feel like I know it. In I'm creating a new course that's I don't know when it's coming out. Hopefully, I'll know soon. But all about hunger and fullness and learning to tap into different types of hunger and fullness and honoring that and what it feels like, because so many people are at this point now disconnected to what time, what does it feel like in my body at the appropriate time I should eat? And what is the appropriate place to stop? Because we have been reliant on, you know, calories or macros or all of that Mm -hmm. outer stuff. But I loved what you said about like how you used to go in so hungry only to end up so full. And that's the same pendulum that I was always on so empty to so full to, okay, I can't eat again till I'm so empty and then to so full. And I thought that that's how it had to be. But life is so much better, sweeter, easier, healthier when you eat a little bit, you use a little bit. You eat yeah. a little bit, you use a little bit. And think about your blood sugar, you know, think of a roller coaster going down every time you're so hungry to up go every time you're so full and the hormonal disruptions that are happening from doing that. Rather think about like more of like a, you know, an easy straight line across when you're eating a little bit and you're using a little bit and you're allowing your bodies to guide you to eat, to stop, to eat, to stop, to eat, to stop. So I
0: feel like food is like fuel, like it's good. It's meant to be enjoyed. Like I don't eat, I'm not someone who eats to survive. Like I eat because I genuinely like the taste of the food that I'm eating. And I think it's something to like look forward to, not in an obsessive way, but just in a way where it's like, I know that like having two of those cookies after dinner or however many like it's going to make me happy even if it's like emotional uh-huh. happy for a little bit like it is what it is but you know I also had noticed that a lot of people around me which is like a huge another reason why the comparison trap just like blows in every situation yeah. is that a lot of people around me just don't eat a lot during the day and like I was raised in a family that like everyone had breakfast lunch and dinner and snacks and that was just what it was. And I'm like, you know, like Jordan's family, for example, they don't eat a lot during the day. Like they can easily go all day without eating and then yeah. have dinner. And then,
1: family too.
0: When I lived with them, I was like, I'm hungry. Like <laughs> I used to have to bring food cause, or keep food there. Cause I was like, I'm actually just like, I'm hungry. I can't function. But everyone, I guess just like approaches things so differently. As long as it works for the person, they're mentally and physically like feeling well, like good for you. But I just was like always comparing myself to those around me and seeing like, that doesn't, like I can't function not eating all day.
1: Right. And, you know, the body has your back and the body has Jordan's family's back, whoever member you want to think of. And same with Evan's family. And so, interestingly, if we think about like scientifically or biologically what's happening in your body versus theirs, let's take you, for example, you're, you know, feeling hunger a lot more frequently. And that's because your body trusts and knows that it gets food consistently and regularly. So, you eat whatever you eat, it says, okay, you know, use that energy guys, because Rachel's going to give us more. And that beautiful cycle kind of continues. Whereas, you know, your in-laws or my in-laws who are used to going the whole day without food and then going into dinner, their bodies have their back too, but their metabolism is going to be working a lot more slowly because they're going to eat. And then the body says, well, we know we don't get food for, you know, a, a big shift here. So preserve what you have, work more slowly, don't be as efficient with using those stores. And so, yes, both people can survive and call yeah. it thrive, but if you want to feed your metabolism and show your body you know, that it can use the stores that you give it, the best thing we can do is eat regularly and consistently. And so, again, both people can survive, but I personally find it's far easier when you give a little, eat a little, give a little, eat a little, percent. And so recognizing that that feeling of hunger, Rachel, for you, you know, even though it feels, why am I eating so much? And they're not eating in that setting. When you question yourself, it's like, oh, yeah, because my body trusts me. I've got my body's back and my body's got mine, too.
0: No, I love that. And just also it's just, everyone's so different, like what their needs are each and every day. And I remember like I've had friends who be like, how can you eat so much and like stay so stay so small? And I'm just like, I know you mean it as a compliment. So I'm going to take it as a compliment, even though I just wish you didn't say that to me. But then they're like, I like only dinner and like breakfast. I'm like in my head, I'm since I'm very cautious. I'm not telling people like my actual thoughts now because I don't. I'm not a professional. Like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a person telling their story and sharing other people's actual thoughts that are like you know studied in school. I have no thoughts that I've studied in school. So in my head, because like, you're not eating all day, your metabolism is like the slowest thing in the entire world. But meanwhile, I'm just like, well, maybe you should talk to like an RD or like someone who can like help you try and figure that out. But I think it's such a common, it's like a kind of a myth, like don't eat all day and you'll like, like lose well, weight.
1: Another myth that feeds into that though, is this fear of hunger. People think that hunger and feeling hunger is a bad thing, because if you kind of go dig a little deeper, they view eating as bad. Right. Because like, why are we afraid? Why are we afraid of feeling hunger? Why are we annoyed when we have to eat? Like, why are we annoyed when we get that signal from our body? It's because we've been positioned to believe that eating is bad, that we should eat as little as possible. So for getting a sign from our body of, hey, I need food. Our first response, we've been conditioned or trained to say, suppress it, drink water, you know, have tea. You know, whatever whatever it is, whereas okay. you're just thirsty, okay. right? <laughs> you might be thirsty, but you also might be hungry, right? <laughs> so the first thing is to really recognize that hunger is a beautiful biological sign of and the way your body communicates to you, and it doesn't happen out of nowhere. Like your body is constantly regulating and re-regulating. You have parts of your brain, the hypothalamus and the insula insular cortex, two parts of your brain that are communicating with hormone levels, blood sugar in your body. Like chemical shifts are happening and you're getting alerted and the feeling that, you know, as hunger and rather than just responding to that, we are like running around it. Oh, it's so annoying that I have to eat. What's the thing that I could eat with the least amount of calories? Meanwhile, calorie is a food energy. Your body needs energy. So chasing around the, you know, the least amount of calories. Yes, you're going to be hungry shortly thereafter. So you might be asking, why am I still hungry after this? Because you're not eating enough, (laughs) right? Like feed yourself enough. You'll have hunger. You'll experience gentle fullness. And then you'll experience hunger again. But it shouldn't be every three minutes. But it also shouldn't be every five hours.
0: That's like my relationship with popcorn. Like I love popcorn. Like I genuinely like the taste of it. And I, I like crunching and like a little something salty but whenever I have it, I have to have it with like a little something else. So whether lately it's like a scoop of like coconut coal or like something that just like, I don't know, or what it some, I love chocolate covered peanuts. It's so good. And it's so like, I'll have some of those. Like I always need something
1: with popcorn because it's basically like eating popped air. Like literally right, And that's important outer wisdom to know if you're like really hungry or you're going for a snack in the middle of the day, popcorn might not cut it, but if it's after dinner and you're eating. So in my next course, I'm going to basically break down different types of hunger as I call them. So we eat for other reasons other than needing food for fuel. Like your two cookies that you mentioned, right? You're not doing it because you need energy. It's because you enjoy them. So enjoying is a great way, a, a perfect reason for eating. We should allow that, but let's, let's label it. Why am I eating these cookies? Cause they taste good because they bring me happiness, whatever it is. And so <laughs> what? I said, yeah, I freaking love them. <laughs> right. So Popcorn on its own can be a great a, a food that, you know, maybe it's not, it should not be your breakfast, your lunch, your snack alone, unless you need a really small snack, but recognizing that it's a low calorie food, it doesn't have a lot, but it's fun to eat, you know, it's certainly okay to eat, but keep, keep in the, keep in mind the context of what you're eating and how you're feeling and bringing those two pieces of information together.
0: Yeah, like I always know that when I have popcorn as like my snack like between like lunch and dinner
1: or whatever like I'm it's going to hold me over for maybe 30 minutes to an hour. Exactly. And so like that might if Evan tells me he's going to be home in 30 minutes, you know, maybe popcorn's a good idea. If you t- Evan tells me he's going to be home in an hour, popcorn probably isn't going to cut it. So the next topic I'm hoping to dive into
0: without being like too overly specific on the actual label of what this is and who this person is, mm-hmm. but when I had asked people for topics, um to speak to you about a lot of the things came up about like a high fiber diet. And I know my brother was seeing someone a few months ago and when she had come over and I had met her for the first time, she was like talking how she used to follow this like very high fiber diet and like it was like kind of like cultish. And she was like, I don't know if you know Lisa of the well necessities, but like she really helped me like kind of like branch out of this. Did I ever tell you this? No. Really? I thought I did. And I can like fill you in more like after I like they're not dating anymore. So I feel weird, like exposing everything. But I love for you. Like, I remember also a couple of years ago, you being like, oh my God, have you heard about this? And I had no idea what it was. And I still to this, I don't know if I would know what it is because I live under a rocket sometimes in my life. But <laughs> I just would love for you to address A, why we don't need to like only obsess over the nutrition of fiber a little bit and B, how you can kind of like, Escape that train of thinking, or just any wisdom that you have, like or thoughts that you can share around this topic.
1: Okay, so what this person was was obviously beating around the bush, or you're beating around the bush, is the F factor scandal. I've not been sent to cease and desist, so I'm going to continue talking about it as I I have. What? You have been sandwiched? no I have not so oh. I was like, oh my god then you don't know no I've been very vocal about this diet from for as long as you and I have known each other more vocal um in November I have a highlight called I think it's the FF diet so let's separate the two for a second and the F factor diet and then there's a high fiber diet so there's nothing wrong with a high fiber diet and eating lots of real food that naturally contain fiber that is important information when building a meal and thinking about what goes on this plate that contains fiber fiber does a lot of amazing things for example it you know helps move out waste it lowers cholesterol it bulks up our stool you know all that good stuff but a high fiber diet in terms of f factor which basically uses fiber to negate your calories is a totally other animal and kind of abusing the nature in which fiber is. And most people that follow F-Factor are eating isolated forms of fiber in either protein bars or powders rather than focusing on the real food, which is going to give you nutrition and calories and micro and macronutrients. But if you're only focusing on the fiber portion of a food, you're really tightly trying to control how much carbohydrate that you're eating and how many calories you're taking in. So just to kind of back up for a second, fiber is a carbohydrate, but we can't digest it. And so can't because we can't break down the fiber particles, if you will, it comes out, which means we eat, we physically look like we're eating. We feel full, we actually physically feel full because fiber sits in our stomach, doesn't you know go anywhere for a bit. And then it leaves our body. So the act of eating is all very much happening, but we are not taking in enough food energy. If you solely are going to eat pretty much fiber and protein for every single meal, as F-factor suggests, your, cal- your total calories are going to be very, very low, even though you're eating multiple times a day, the act of eating, and even though you're feeling full throughout the day. So that's a very easy disordered eating to kind of miss, be similar to how I said, like I was always eating when I you know, had disordered eating and I was always feeling full, even though, you know, I was, none of those things looked like anorexia, but this is, can still very much be disordered eating because you're tricking your body, even if you don't realize it. Fiber built into real food is a great thing because it helps you tap into your fullness and satiety, but not tap out too early. And keep in mind, when you're eating, let's take an apple for example. Sure, you're getting a couple grams of fiber. Hi- of fiber. <laughs> keep in mind, you're getting a couple grams of fiber, but you're also getting the usable form of carbohydrates. So you're getting immediate energy from the sugar, and you're getting the nutrients and calories to go with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I also just feel like you know, and like
0: I didn't want to like be as specific as you, but I'm just happy that you did because I'm sure most people know what I was talking about. But I just like. I know. I was getting nervous. I know there's a lot of drama around surrounding you right now, but I think there's a difference of eating, you know, wholesome, natural sources of fiber versus eating heavily processed foods. Like the bars that remind me of like when I used to be obsessed with Quest bars and then I was her all day and like you bloated. Um, But I think that, you know, it's so easy to see something and be like, okay, well, this person like looks like this, like she looks great. Like I want to look like her this must be what she's eating or how she's eating. This is how I want to do it too. And then you just kind of fall under the rabbit hole. And I think it's like devastating. I mean, a lot of people ask me to create a factor friendly recipes and I'm like, I don't know what that means. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, it, it doesn't come as often as like recipe requests in general. Well, in general, when people ask for that, I just don't really acknowledge it. Cause I don't, I've never spoken about it. Like, I don't know anything really much about it besides the fact that like, it has just led to a lot of people to have a disordered.
1: Right. So right. that's yeah. the only angle that I'll ever really speak to, because there are a lot yeah. of layers to the diet that involve a lot of things that Emily Gallis has been going after. So people can head there for that information. Yeah. But- I was talking her the other day. That's crazy that she has
0: some lineup of, of like information.
1: Yeah, but the part that I speak to is simply what I witnessed as a dietitian in New York City at the time, which is clients leaving there coming to me with a disordered relationship to food and not understanding how they got there because they went to you know F Factor to to lose weight that was their chief you know goal, but they ended up with crazy symptoms, but most of all, the part that they came to me was this disordered relationship to food an inability to go to dinner without bringing crackers with them an inability to travel without freaking out if they didn't have, you know, specific foods available to them. And so that mental preoccupation with food, whether it's F factor or any sort of disordered eating, it can happen after whole 30. I've seen this with plenty of diets yeah. is really the key that I like to flag and bring attention to. Because it's so easy to put that under the guise of I just care about my health and wellness, which is fine to do. But if you personally value going on vacation and relaxing with your significant other or your family or your kids or your mom and dad, whoever, you know, whatever age range you're at, and you're not able to show up as your whole self because your mind is so consumed by what you can and can't eat, that's where you need to shift and say this is disordered thinking. And oftentimes I call disordered eating disordered living because it's the the living aspect that's a lot easier to flag than necessarily the eating, which is, well, I follow this health professional who eats like this. So how could I have a problem? Because she's the health professional. She can't have a problem.
0: Well, that's like when I've seen, it just kind of goes back to what we were saying before about like going out for dinner and like being afraid of certain things. And you know, if someone's serving a bread basket, or like if I'm ordering like a bagel with lox, like I'm not smearing some cream cheese on some crackers. Like i I'm, I'm putting it on the food
1: that's served. That would be
0: like me bringing my own tortilla chips to a Mexican restaurant.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, to each their own, right? So like, if you, there are people that like the Gigi crackers. So if you like the Gigi crackers, great. But there's a difference between liking Gigi crackers and eating them. Five or eight times a day. Some people have eight crackers a day, and therefore you're now afraid of also eating the bagel. You know, so and it's very easy where it sneaks up on you. That's what happened to me and veganism at the time, where I cut out all these foods because it made me feel safe, and I actually didn't need to think so much around food when I was vegan. Like there were only so many foods that I could eat, so actually picking out what to eat was a lot less of a stressful experience. In quotes. But then I, you know, all of a sudden I'm dining out at a, at a normal restaurant that's not a vegan restaurant and I ate a piece of cheese and I'm freaking out. And all of a sudden I have a fear of cheese. It was different. You know, I didn't realize that's how I got there. And that happens to a lot of people with a factor, you know, no longer can eat a lot of, you know, pasta or potatoes or sweet potatoes or bananas. I had a girl today DM me asking me, I don't understand. You're saying that it's okay for me to eat a banana and a sweet potato. And I don't know what F-factor stance is on all of that other than I've seen some marketing materials to kind of like maybe falsely, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I can't speak to like what they actually say about sweet potatoes and bananas, but I mean, that was a very hard question to answer and not hard because it's a hard question, but just like, oh my gosh, how far did this go that you're, that we're afraid of real food? from nature, like literally the stuff that we're designed to eat. Like our insides are designed to break apart sweet potatoes and bananas and easily digest these foods or not so easily if it's, you know, sweet potato can be starchier. Like our food, we're designed to eat this stuff and we're afraid of it. And therefore we're going for a bar or powder because of that label, which allows us to easily know how much we've consumed in quotes. So that outer control is still, you know, it, it's, it's frightening. I mean, I
0: just, I've never looked at the label of anything from Match Factor. So I don't even, can't even tell you what any of the ingredients are, but like, you know, the first thing that I started doing when I just had a better approach to food was just understanding what's in my food and like knowing how to fuel myself. And if I had to sit there and choose between like sweet potatoes or a banana and a processed bar, like I would know that that, that type of like natural food source of a banana is better for me than a bar. And that's scary that sometimes, you know, the opposite feeling I guess could could come about but even when I've done like like eliminate I did an elimination diet once you might even remember yeah I do. and after I did that my mom still to this day like that's the biggest water drug okay. I've ever seen wants to kill me she's like Rachel ever since you did that you get like hives when I when I eat random things like my stomach will hurt randomly and at first I would like take it a little bit more seriously like okay I guess I shouldn't eat eggplant or like I shouldn't eat too many tomato sauce from me. and now I'm just like fuck it like it is what it is. Like, I like a kombucha that has strawberries in it. Like, yeah, I probably will get a couple like red freckles on my arm. And I'm like, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to live my life in in fear when before I did this elimination, I was fine. That also made me afraid of bananas at some point. And I, I eat so that. much banana bread. Like banana bread is the reason why my brand even grew. Like that was like the first recipe that went viral. Like me not like being able to eat a banana is crazy. Um, but I think there's just so much like, like so much noise and so much chatter around like what's good and bad. And I think at the end of the day, like something I just love about you and what you, I don't even want to say preach because it's not preachy, but just what you're teaching us and what you're sharing is like a label-less approach to just eating food that's in front of you without obsessing, like don't cut anything out. Like you don't ever say to not eat anything.
1: Even Evan, by the way, like we say he's vegan for the, like when we go out to restaurants and stuff and like the internet knows him as vegan and he eats a a vegan diet, but like Evan also doesn't identify as vegan. And we have a lot of conversations about how any limitation can. And the reason I personally don't have a label is because I want to stay open to what my body wants and asks me for. And the day that it asks me for something that I don't normally eat, I don't want to feel like, Oh my God, I'm breaking my veganism or my whateverism, you know? And that, that mentality of like how it happens very quickly where your diet becomes your identity. And all of a sudden you're not listening to your body and you're afraid to step out when it shouldn't be that complicated, you know, don't make a big deal out of your body asking you for something.
0: No, not at all. I mean, that was why I started eating meat again was because my mm-hmm. body was like literally telling me like Rachel, I had bone broth. And then from there it's was like, no, you need a little bit more than that. Like this isn't, this isn't like sustainable for you. And I was like, quote, pescatarian. Mm-hmm. Um, which looking back, I think was just a reason why we went out for burgers as a family or did something like I didn't have to eat it. And no one questioned me because I was pescatarian. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, I order a burger everywhere we go. Cause it's like literally one of my top, five favorite foods. Interesting. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like it just, that's what, like at, at that point in time, if someone had asked me like, how's your relationship with it, i would been like, fine. But today I'm like, no, I'm an effing rock star today compared to like where I was during that time. And I think, I think you just also just get older and you're less consumed with a lot of things. But I just wish I had all of these like resources that are there now when I was at a younger age, like in college and in my early 20s. Because I think that there's so much noise out there that
1: could really just. And you're very, you know, obviously you're on social media a lot for your job and you're in the kitchen all the time. So it's it's really so important for you and me who spend a lot of our time on the internet in the kitchen talking about food a lot of times to keep our relationship front and center because it can so easily be twisted and turning um by the trends and the noise totally well
0: lisa you are absolutely amazing i like have so many more things i want to talk to you about but i realize i've had you for an hour and 18 minutes but thank you so much i have a couple of like concluding questions that i like to ask all of my guests the first one is what is one wellnessy trend that you buy into probably my infrared sauna i really love my sauna that's a big one you have to let jordan and i you pop might share the name on i don't know if you've shared it before because i like haven't paid close attention yet to brands for saunas but we want to get one in our house yeah i know and you can only get clear light okay perfect we'll look inside he's mapping it out on the floor plan where it's going to go in the basement i'm like okay good to good uh, know. What is one wellnessy trend that drives you crazy? Like a pet peeve.
1: Um, kind of like an old one, but like butter and coffee. I could never really quite understand that. Really anything in coffee, even the collagen peptides. Like, I mean, to each your own, if you do it, like I really don't judge you. Just for me personally, I just, I just like, like I just have regular cup of coffee and I'm really happy.
0: Coffee, no frills.
1: Um, um, I like a latte and foam, but like, you know.
0: That's like, really, i am talking yeah. like all the like, additives. Um, if you had to pick another career path, what would you be doing?
1: Well, I should have been a psychiatrist or psychologist, but I actively did not want to do that. Um, what would I do for joy? I I, if
0: you weren't following your passion and you weren't a registered dietitian, what would you have, like, what's another job that you would have wanted to do
1: or that you like have before? Um, maybe something in like, Fashion or the arts—that's kind of where I started. Like, I like to create with my hands, so like designing and sewing is something that I really enjoy. Maybe something there. Oh, I, lo- I was not expecting that from you. I love that. Uh, I know those are my roots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, when you were younger, what was your go-to fast food chain, and what did you use to
1: order? Definitely McDonald's. I mean, is there another option there?
0: We were a Burger King family. Oh, I come
1: on, well, I I, I I never liked burgers, so I feel like you go to Burger King for burgers. Okay, chicken nuggets and fries—the happy the kids' happy meal from, yeah. And then like as I got older, the McFlurry was—I was here for that.
0: I actually walk by. There's McDonald's next to my like organic food store on the main street in Hoboken, and every day I walk by it and it smells so good. And I, I mean, it. have to get a whiff of that. It's been a while, and well, like, and especially now that I'm pregnant, and everything just like that's food. I'm like, oh my gosh, either smells so good or I want to vomit. Yep. But I looked at him the other week and I go, before we die, can we go to the McDonald's like a few more times? Last time I had it was actually when I lived in Italy and we like went out late at night. I remember I got a cheeseburger, chicken nuggets, and French fries and a milkshake. And I remember just tasting so, so so the fries.
1: I'm really having a moment in my mind with the fries.
0: And the last question is, it's your last day on earth. What mm-hmm. are you eating from breakfast through the end of the day? Like your dream day of food
1: okay breakfast i'm probably having i make like papaya bowls with scooped out papaya papaya boats with um, tahini and cacao nibs and coconut and blueberries that's breakfast for sure lunch um i'm gonna have a chopped very nicely chopped kale salad with hearts of palm and a caesar a vegan caesar that i make from veggie remy's blog i love it i've been making it for like three years and It's amazing. And for dinner, I'm probably going to have a perfectly al dente pasta with what kind of sauce do I want? I guess if I'm going to die the next day. Like indigestion is not a big deal. No, I'd no. probably go with like a homemade tomato sauce, but like a little bit of like maybe like a vodka flavor and toasted pine nuts for a little bit of extra crunch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just actually got the organic vodka sauce from Thrive Market.
1: Oh, I never had that.
0: It is so good. Really? So good. It's like the perfect amount of like creaminess versus like tomato-ness. And it was just like easy. Ezra doesn't like pasta and he ate it with the sauce. I was like very impressed. I was like, thank you. Because I need like an easy meal for us sometimes. Oh, you
1: need an easy meal for
0: kids? He doesn't like pasta? Him and I have very similar taste buds. Like eating habits. Like I don't really like grilled chicken. Like I like chicken burgers or like a roasted chicken, but I have to dip it in a lot of mustard her yeah. hates chicken and I don't really like pasta like I'll eat it but I don't like love it like I'll never order our pasta out to dinner like um, prior
1: to Evan I didn't know that I liked pasta because I also cut it out for so many years and I thought that like I just like the ingredients that are in pasta but he's true. really opened my eyes to the wonders that is pasta like uh-huh. I was like it's plain I don't get it like what's the deal but it, that's why I said al dente like cooked to perfection it really has something special going on.
0: Yeah, like I'll eat it, but it's never something that I'm like, oh my God, this brings me so much joy. Like I love pizza, I like love. Pizza. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My favorite, like artisanal, like fluffy crust pizza. Melissa, um, well, thank you so much. Please tell everyone where they could find you. And I'll like you obviously, but.
1: Okay, yeah, at the well Necessities or thewallnecessities.com. Two best places or forkthenoise.com to learn about my online program. And is your new course gonna be out soon? Yeah, or- so fully. Probably not by this, but
0: I'll I'll
1: update
0: you. Well, when it is, I can add it too. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening.